All right, guys, welcome to Salt City. It's good to be here with you this morning, and I'm excited to open up God's Word with you kind of in a different way than I normally do. Normally, we're walking right through books of the Bible, but something that I've realized leading up to this week and over the course of the last several years is that as a Christian and as a pastor, I really stand on my parents' shoulders. And what I mean by that is everything that I've learned about walking with Jesus and being his servant, being a son, being a brother, being a dad, being a husband, in some way, I can tie that back to my parents' influence on my life. The, the picture I got yesterday as I, I was on a walk with my kids is at one point, I saw a cardinal off in, off in the distance, and I wanted my daughter, Hazel, to see the cardinal, and she couldn't see it from her vantage point. And so I actually grabbed Hazel, and I put her on my shoulders because I wanted her to be able to see. And then because she was on my shoulders, she was able to see something that she would have never been able to see otherwise. And likewise, I've been able to see a lot of things that I wouldn't have been able to see otherwise, specifically because of my mom's influence on my life. And so what I want to do this morning is not give you a picture of motherhood that is unattainable, and I don't want to discourage those of you who didn't have moms like I have, but I want us to remember together that the church is not an event that we attend together, but the church is actually a family. And so this morning, I want my mom to in some way be your mom. And as sort of a mom in the church, I want her wisdom that she's taught me throughout my life to speak into your life. So if there were a big idea this morning, it would be that the church is a family. And so specifically, we're going to learn from my five-foot, two-inch mom, whose sort of life saying is, dynamite comes in small packages, which is very true of her life. My mom has taught me a ton, and uh, she could definitely beat me up if it came to that, uh, even though she's five-foot-two. So here we go. I'm going to go through 14 different things that I've learned from my mom. And with each one, I'm going to share a scripture that either my mom sort of embedded in me or my mom's life reminded me of. So the first thing that I learned from my mom is that life is short. This is a verse she would quote all the time to me. Growing up, Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And what she was building into my life as a kid was that life is short. Eternity is long. And therefore, there was sort of this seriousness in my life from a young age to the point where I remember as a six-year-old kid, I would lay in bed and I would be overwhelmed with the thought of forever. If I trust in Jesus, I'll be with him forever. If I don't trust in Jesus, I'll be apart from him forever. And so there was a seriousness about my mom because she was tied to God's word in such a way that she not only believed it, but she wanted to make sure that she imparted that in me. Life 
is short. And I think all of us are realizing that in the midst of COVID-19 right now. We're realizing that our lives are short, that eternity is long, and that what we do each day really does matter. A second thing my mom taught me is to cast away my cares. This has sort of become the theme verse for my family in the midst of COVID-19. We decided we're going to come up with a family verse. We haven't been too consistent with reminding the kids. I got to remind them. My kids are actually watching right now. So guys, remember the theme verse of our family, of the Stevenson family has been cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And I remember my mom would say that when I was a kid, but when I got a little bit older, I actually found my mom's journal open on the table, on the kitchen table. And I remember just kind of looking around, like you're not supposed to look in somebody's journal, right? But I, I, I went up to my, journal, my mom's journal and I just kind of wondered, like, what does my mom's time with God look like? And w- what I began to read was all of my mom's fears and anxieties. She actually even wrote some fears and anxieties related to me in the journal. But what that taught me is that the reason that my mom was not an anxious person from my vantage point was not because she didn't have anxiety. It was because she knew what to do with her anxiety. And so she was a person who not only told me to cast my anxieties on God because he cares for me, but person who actually in her daily life practice would cast those anxieties on God through real prayer. She wasn't a a person who was going to fake it. She was a person who was going to tell God exactly what was going on in her life. And she still is that person to this day. The third thing my mom taught me is to chew the cud. Okay, I got to fill this in before I read the scripture. All right, chew the cud. So my mom would tell me as a kid that uh, cows when they're eating, what they do, this is disgusting, actually, they would, they eat some grass, and then they chew it up, and then they actually swallow it, and like get it down in their belly, I was explaining this to my kids last night, my wife told me to stop, and they kind of like, they kind of throw it back up into their mouth, and they chew on the grass again, and then they, they swallow it, and then they, they bring it back up, they like regurgitate it, and chew on it again, and the reason my mom told me that the principle that she was teaching me was to meditate on God's word. And this was one of her favorite verses to remind me of that. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. That's Joshua 1.8. And so something that my mom would do is while she was swimming, she would um, swim and as, as each lap would pass, she would remind herself of one scripture or one attribute of God that started with each uh, letter of the alphabet. So for example, one lap she would meditate on how God is awesome, and maybe that would remind her of a scripture. Um, She would be reminded when she came to the letter B that he was beautiful. But there's this pattern in my mom's life that she wanted to download in me to meditate on God's word, to chew the cud. The fourth thing I learned from my mom is to get your Diet Coke with ice. And here's what I mean by that. 
1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So every year, I get my mom the same thing for Christmas. I get my mom a gift card to McDonald's. And that's because my mom loves the ice that is at McDonald's in a Coke. And I, I just remember my, my mom growing up and still when I hang out with my mom now, my mom has a way of giving thanks in the little things of life. So I, I'll say this to my kids now as well. If there's a parking spot like really close to the door at Target, my mom will say, looks like God saved a spot for us. Or if uh, she's enjoying a Diet Coke, she's like, it's the little things. Aren't you just thankful for the little things? And there is something about being thankful, right, for the big things that God brings into our life. But most of the things that there are to be thankful in our li- for in our lives are the little things. And I love that my mom rejoices in the little things. The fifth thing my mom taught me is to cling to God. My, you know, my, my initial reaction, I, I remember um, finding out um, that my son uh, Jude had a congenital heart defect. And I remember all of these thoughts are, are running through my mind as I'm realizing that he's in big trouble and he would later uh, die from that congenital heart defect. But one of the first things that came into my mind was, God is your rock. And, and my mom loves to say, God is our rock. And she gets that from the Psalms. And so in Psalm 18, verses 2 through 3, for example, it says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. See, everything else in life is like shifting sand. Things change. People change. People die. Hard circumstances come into our lives. The the saying goes that you can only count on two things, death and taxes, right? But we can count on the fact that God is our rock, that he is unchanging, And so our response to him being our rock is that we cling to him. We run to him. And I've seen my mom over the years in different difficult circumstances in her own life run to God and cling to God. And I saw her do that and I said, that's the way I want to live. And that's the way I want you to live. And what can happen is as we meditate on that, And as that becomes our vision of the life that God wants us to live, when the hard things, when the waves start crashing into our lives, the instinct of our soul will be to cling to our rock. All right, we're five in. Next one that I learned from my mom is to sing your praise to the Lord, okay? So this song, Sing Your Praise to the Lord, I'll I'll spare you, but you can look it up. Uh, was written by a guy named Rich Mullins. And it was also, alternatively, in a less good version, sung by Sandy Patty. And these are, if you don't know who they are, it's because 
their 80s and early 90s uh, contemporary Christian music artists. And I have this, these vivid memories of my mom with her, her perm and, you know, the shoulder pads in her shirt, singing her praise to the Lord. And so she would turn up our stereo, just blast this. You know, at this point, there's a tape in the tape deck. And she would blast this music, and she would be cooking, or she would be making cookies, or she would be uh, vacuuming the floor. If she's vacuuming the floor, it's up especially loud. And I would come in from playing outside, shooting hoops in the driveway, whatever it was, and my mom, with her five-foot-two-inch frame, would be reaching her hand up to the heavens and praising, singing her praises to the Lord in the midst of everyday life. She was responding to calls like come from Psalm 100, verses 2 through 5. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. Worship is not something that we just do on Sunday mornings when we gather together. Worship is to be the lifestyle and the expression of our heart. So many of the wounds that we carry around in our lives would be healed if instead of giving over our hearts to bitterness, we would give over our hearts to worship. In the midst of all of our troubles and all of our difficulties, God calls us to worship him, which is really an expression of him being our rock, that we would be able to have gladness even in times like this. Number seven thing I learned from my mom is to tell people when they have BO, okay? There's a story that goes along with this, but here's the life wisdom. Proverbs 27 verse 6, one of my mom's favorite books in the Bible, wounds from a friend can be trusted but an enemy multiplies kisses. So here's what has marked my mom's life, is she has been a prayerful truth speaker. So you know how it is. You've got some friends who tell you what you want to hear, and in the long run, those friends are no help to you at all in your walking with Jesus. But friends that will tell you the truth, even when it hurts, are the friends that you actually want to have. So there was a woman in a Bible study that my mom was leading. And there were some women in that Bible study who started to gossip about this woman because the woman had personal hygiene problems. She had BO. And everybody was sort of talking about it. And my mom knew that that's not the way that she would want to be treated if she were in that woman's position. And so after prayerful consideration... She decided that she would approach this woman and without letting her know that everyone had been talking about her behind her back so as to wound her, but just to be a friend to her, she wanted to tell her um, that she had this problem, which obviously is a very difficult conversation to have. And so my mom went to this woman in love and told her 
that she had body odor. And do you know how the woman responded? She didn't say, oh, thank you so much. I didn't know. She actually said, maybe I'll be able to forgive you in 10 years for being so mean to me. The woman's husband also confronted my mom and gave her a piece of his mind. But my mom, because she feared the Lord, she wanted to do what was right, she put in this principle of love your neighbor as yourself. Hey, if I stunk, I'd want somebody to tell me. She did the hard thing. She set this pattern in her life of having hard conversations, of running toward conflict, not away from conflict, not in order to beat people up or bully people, but in order to help people in both practical areas of their lives, but also in areas of walking with Jesus. I think that's something that we can all learn from. A true friend is a person who speaks the truth. Number eight, it's never too late for God to call you out. Proverbs 3 verse 12 says, for the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. So get this, when my mom was in her 50s, my mom's uh, 61, she was in her 50s, she was having some time with the Lord, and she says that the Lord said to her, Sarah, you don't do S-H star T for the poor, okay? God came to my mom, and he's, I mean, most of you probably think God doesn't cuss. My mom said that he did, and so you call my mom a liar? Uh, but he, he came to her and said, you don't do junk for the poor, except he didn't say junk. And my mom responded by saying, you know what? I really haven't in my life. And so my mom's response was to actually go to her church and suggest that they do a food drive for the poor, which turned into sort of this huge operation in the church where bags of food are distributed all over the community. So even in her 50s, she is responding to the discipline and correction of God. Don't you want to be like that? Don't you want to be a person who with age continues to mature, not a person who continues to be settled in their ways? God disciplines those he loves. He corrects his sons and daughters, his kids, in whom he delights. And I love my mom's response as an example to all of us. Number nine, set an extra place at the table. Hebrews 13 verse 2 says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. When I was a kid, we had people live with us. One time we had an African grad student named Chinadu Najoku live with us. My parents have had various family members and other people who are in need live in their home. When I was in high school, um, my mom would just set an extra place at the table because she knew that I was going to be bringing random friends home all the time. There was an atmosphere in our house of welcome and hospitality. And my mom had the mindset that there's always enough food. It wasn't about entertaining people as much as it is welcoming them into our family. You have access 
to the fridge. Yes, you can have that. Yes, you can do that because our home is your home. God calls us each to be people of hospitality, people who welcome the stranger into our home. And, and in so doing, we love those who are around us. Number 10, things I've learned from my mom, be a gamer. Colossians 3.23 says this, whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. Now, for the most part, during my growing up years, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. But I remember when we got into the middle school and high school years, we needed braces, and so we needed a little bit of extra money. And so my mom actually took a job as a waitress at the local country club. And for some people, I think that that would have been sort of below them, humiliating. I don't want to be a waitress where I'm sort of seen as a servant or seen as less than. But what I saw from my mom consistently growing up and what I still see in her today is that there's nothing below her. She's going to be the person who's going to help somebody move. She's going to get a job that may appear to be beneath her, but she is going to be a gamer. And I think that's because her heart is connected to God in such a way that she actually is, in each thing that she's doing, living to please him, not living to be impressive. So we've got this question for ourselves is, are there things that are below us? Are are there um, things that we are unwilling to do in our daily lives because we think that we're sort of above those things? God would call us to be gamers. The 11th thing I've learned from my mom is to love the unlovely. The Bible says in Luke 6.35, but love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. I don't know how many times I've heard my mom say this in my life. It's easy to love those who are easy to love. It's hard to love those that are hard to love. And I remember when she was working at that country club, just as an example, she met one of the other servers there, and he actually ended up getting arrested and put in prison. And my mom befriended him, would go and see him, uh, would write to him, and she has this attitude that every person is deserving of love and respect. My parents have been in small group now for their entire marriage. They, they've been in these small groups, and one of the questions I've been asking them recently is, how have you guys put up with all of these weird, awkward church relationships over the years? And, and both of my parents would say, the way that we've stuck with it is we haven't expected to get a lot out of small group. What we've expected is to love people that are a lot like us, to love people that are hard to love. At the end of the day, that's what church is about. It's a family, which means even if you got your awkward Uncle Ned, you're still going to have Christmas dinner with him. And even if you got your sister that you don't really get along with, you're going to work hard to make that relationship work because that's what you do with family. And my mom has demonstrated 
loving those that are hard to love for me over the years. Twelfth thing she taught me is to trust in the Lord. One of her favorite verses, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Here's what's true about my mom. She would say this. She's not a theologian. Her mind does not work in terms of sort of categorizing things and understanding them in a systematic way. But here's what my mom is. She's a person that when she sees the word of God, when she reads the word of God, she believes the word of God. And I think that's a reminder for all of us that that's where this life flows from. I'm not talking about, hey, I read all these scriptures and talked about all these great things about my mom. I'm not saying, just go be like her. You see, where this life comes from is it comes as we believe and we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's actually the Lord who does this work. He changes our heart. He takes out this heart of stone, gives us this new heart that longs to follow after him and works in cooperation with his spirit. And so it's actually a response. It's a submission to God, his work in our lives. Thirteenth thing I've learned from my mom is to speak life into others. This, this verse was on a, a magnet on our refrigerator when I was growing up. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen or give grace to those who hear. This might sound absolutely astounding because I lived with my mom for 18 years of my life and have spent a lot of time with her. I do not remember one unkind word that my mom has ever spoken to me. She has used her words, even in very difficult seasons of my life, even through rebellion and sin, to speak life into me. She has spoken um, words of grace. See, God doesn't just call us to speak sort of neutral words into each other's lives, but actually that we would filter our words. See, some of us are like, well, I just speak the truth. I just speak my mind. God doesn't call us just to speak the truth, speak our mind. He calls us to filter our words and actually to speak grace, which means the standard for followers of Christ is actually that we would give people words that they don't deserve. Do you give people words that they don't deserve? Have you started because, you know, we're all tightly bound in this whole quarantine thing? Are you starting to speak words that beat the life out of people rather than give life to people? We're called to use our words to build other people up. And then the 14th and final thing that I've learned from my mom is to find your identity in Christ. Colossians 3, 3 through 4 says this, For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. See, all this is owing to a life whose identity is in Christ. You might think, how do I get to this place where I could be a godly person, a godly woman, a godly mom? And the answer really comes back to a relationship with Christ. See, my mom didn't grow up in a Christian family. She grew up in a moral family, mainline uh, denominational church that didn't really preach the gospel. Uh, her mom was one of the nicest people, 
that you're, uh, you'll ever be around. Her dad um, was an alcoholic who actually ended up committing adultery and leaving uh, her mom. And my mom heard uh, the gospel from a gal who was on the cheer squad with her when she was in high school. And they started an FCA chapter at her high school. And she began to be influenced by a man uh, named Dave Fleming who pointed her toward Jesus. And, and my mom came to know, love, and trust Jesus. And, and if you talk to her now, what she would tell you, the first step to being a godly person is to disconnect your identity from, from what you do or um, your accomplishments, uh, your job, and you would connect your identity to Christ. See, what ultimately matters in your life is that you are a child of God. And, and I heard this quote recently that I think is a good summary of what we've talked about um, from Rosaria Butterfield, and she says, Jesus wants to give you his life in exchange for the life you love, not in addition to it. See, Jesus wants your whole life. He wants your whole heart. He wants even the things that you love, and, and he wants to give you a better life. So let's together, by God's grace, follow my mom's example, stand on her shoulders into this life that he has for us. Let's pray. Jesus, I want to say thank you um, for my mom. Uh, thank you um, for the life-changing work that you did in her. Thank you for the deposit that she has made in me. Thank you for uh, my wife, Melissa. Thank you for the life-changing work that you've done in her and the influence that she is having on me and on our kids. Thank you for all the moms in our church. Thank you for um, the grunt work that they're doing, the diapers that they're changing, uh, the devotions that they're leading around the table, the prayers uh, that they're praying for their kids, the scripture that they're speaking. I pray that they would be encouraged that their work is not in vain, that they would be encouraged to keep on going, to press on, even in the sin, even in the struggle, that their identity would be so rooted in you, Jesus, that it would flow out into a life of love for others. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.